My name is John Connolly and I am part of the RNLI's face-to-face fundraising team. I'm currently the deputy face-to-face fundraising manager for the North West North Wales team and I've been uh, a face-to-face fundraiser since 2018. So basically, we were down on holiday in Cornwall. We'd rented a house just opposite the beach in Bude. We weren't fortunate with the weather that particular week. It was very sort of in and out grey, but the the kids were sort of going bodyboarding most mornings, you know, sort of post-breakfast. So probably about sort of half 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, grey, overcast day. My four children were in the sea with various adults supervising them. I was actually on the beach uh, taking a work call, despite the fact that I was on holiday. What I noticed was that my son was starting to drift and he was moving outside of the red and yellow flags at quite a pace. And he was also starting to wave by chance. I also happened to be positioned right next to the lifeguard who was sitting in his van with his pair of binoculars. And I sort of said to him, could you just sort of have a look? And he had a look and he went, oh no, he's in trouble. I'll go and and get him. So, and that was kind of it really. I mean, it wasn't, um, it was a, it was a scary moment in the sense that he was clearly in trouble. He was quite, I think, the best best reaction, I'd say, he was a little bit embarrassed that a lifeguard had had to sort of come and get him. And I don't think, really, we kind of appreciated the sort of enormity of what had gone on because it was he was in trouble momentarily. Lifeguard went out and got him very quickly, no harm done really. I think the relief factor only sort of set in a, a little bit a little bit later really, you know, when we'd sort of all sort of schlepped off the beach and sort of were sitting at sitting around having lunch, you know, and we were sort of it doesn't take long for these things to go dramatically wrong. And I actually feel now probably I don't I didn't realise sort of how lucky we were really I mean you know lifeguard right next to me we were sitting having a glass of wine in the evening you know just sort of probably starting to reflect so you know actually we've been a bit you know we've been a bit lucky there relief happiness obviously family's all well you know and then my phone rang and I took a call uh, to tell me that a very good friend of mine had been hit by a jet ski. And unfortunately, he hadn't survived. He was in the water and the jet ski, the guy who was on the jet ski, didn't have a kill cord on. And the the jet ski ploughed straight into him. And he, and that, you know, that was it. And, and to be honest, it, it, nothing would have saved my friend in that situation. It was just a horrific, horrific accident.
I'd always been sort of conscious of what the RNLI did. I grew up in a maritime town. Where I live is the site of the first ever UK lifeboat station, which predates the RNLI. We had a lifeboat um, up the road from us when I was a when I was a child. So I was all I was always conscious of what the RNLI did, but. But a few years later, I was looking for something to do for the summer, and I saw this job advertised to become a fundraiser for the RNLI. And the thing that attracted me most about it was that you got to work outside and you got to engage with members of the public. And I thought, well, actually, I'm quite good at engaging with people. I'm quite good at talking to people. And I'm pretty convinced that I could be a successful fundraiser and put my skill sets to raising money for something which is vitally important and of which I have had first-hand experience of the benefit. It would be wrong of me to say that, you know, this experience on the beach in 2009, 2010 led me down the path to where I am now immediately, because it didn't. But certainly when I saw the job advertised, something triggered in my mind and thought, well, actually, do you know what? This is something which I do actually care about, believe in, and I would like to give something back to this cause you are never well you never cease to be surprised by who says yes and by how much they give and you can never really judge whether somebody is going to support you until you engage in that conversation with them you know you meet people who support you because they've had family members rescued you meet people who support you because They've had family members who've unfortunately not been able to be rescued. We meet all sorts of people because we're having to engage with the general public who are walking past and you never know who you are who you are going to encounter. But the stories that stick with you are the ones where people have either themselves been rescued or their families have been rescued or unfortunately their families haven't been rescued. I met a woman at Triada Bay this summer and there was a big rescue at Triada last summer, so 2022 that would have been. And she said to me, at one point, her two children were in the water and her husband was in the water because he'd gone in to rescue the children. And she looked out and she said, you know, she was looking and her whole family was was in the water and all three of them were in trouble. And said, at that moment in time, obviously it wasn't a very comfortable position to be in, but she saw the lifeboat coming around the corner. And she said, you know, at that point, she felt an overwhelming sense of sense of relief. But I think those are the ones that stick that stick with you most. What I'll also say is the vast majority of the general public that I encounter really appreciate the work of the RNLI. There's plenty of people who you engage with who can't or, or or don't wish to support us because they 
perhaps they don't see the the relevance or they've just got so many other charities that they give to which are more front of mind or more personal to them. But very few people turn around to you and say, you're doing a terrible job. So I think that's what sort of kind of spurs us on is that, you know, we are, most people understand what we do. So we are sort of, we don't have to explain in too much detail what the RNI does. Most people get that. They understand it. What they perhaps don't appreciate is our funding need and how much money it takes to run a rescue service like this on a, on a daily basis. And that's our job is to get that message across and say, look, if you can help us by giving us something that we know which is coming and we can rely on, it's a massive, massive help for us. But of course, anything that people do is a massive help. If you're ever in any doubt as to why you're standing on a, a cold pier or a cold beach or a windswept beach uh, anywhere in the country, because I've worked all around the country, um, I only have to look back to one incident. So, you know, if I'm feeling a bit down and I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself, I only have to look back to the one incident and say, well, I'm sort of raising the money that I'm raising so that other people can be as fortunate as I was. It's as simple as that. And that's what it, that's what it, that's what it, that's what it strips down to. But of course, it's far easier to, because this job is like 90% rejection. There's no doubt about it. It's, you know, it's on one level, it's a bit like being an opening batsman in cricket. It's 90% disappointment. And you have to sort of put up with that. But the reason you put up with that disappointment is because it's something you fundamentally believe in. And that doesn't half make a difference. Hello, this is Ruth Jones. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.